0: It's Jesus loves me Oh
1: loves us so in, incredibly, incredibly. The, uh, the scripture I want us to look at this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we'll look at, at a lot of the chapter, but I want us to focus on those first three verses. 1 Corinthians 13, and the scripture says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Bow together with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We are so thankful that you love us. And you loved us even before we were born enough to send your son for us. And that changed our lives, changed our future. And Lord, we pray that today as we take a few moments to look at the scripture, that you would speak to our hearts and God, you would encourage us and you would also compel us out that we would share your love with others. Uh, God, we thank you as we offer this prayer now. In the holy name of Christ our Savior and Lord, amen. The, the scripture I just read, First Corinthians 13, that chapter, of course, is known by many as the love chapter. And our choir has sung so beautifully about love and how Jesus loves us. And in, in these verses, the, the beginning point, Paul's writing to the Corinthians. And the Corinthian church, they had some issues. Uh, they had some unity issues and they had some ungodliness issues and a lot of things. And in the middle of, of two chapters of, of largely instruction and, and putting things in order about gifts and, and about unity, he, this chapter's in about love, and, and I believe that it's a foundational chapter not only for them 2,000 years ago, but for us right now. And what he, he says in a, a real, real brief nutshell is he says love is the foundation of everything. And without love, the other things don't really matter. And love's what brings the unity and love's what allows us to use our gifts as the body of Christ. And as I, as I think about love and think about me and, and the church and about what I do, I'm, I'm tempted in my focus to focus on things, the things we do and, and how does it work out? You do a project. You do one at home or you do one at, at church, the, the ramp building team. You go out and build a team. Or, or you're at home and you're fixing something when it's done, we often we stop and look and we evaluate it based on the results. Did we build the ramp and is it, you know, can you walk up it without tripping in the holes that are left? Or is it is it level? You know, if you're if you don't get the thing if you don't get the uh the runner square, your boards that you put on top, even if they are Square, they aren't going to look square. They're going to have all jagged edges because everything's all cattywampus. So we're going to look at it and we're going to judge it based on the result. How did the ramp turn out? How did the home project turn out? Did we accomplish what we wanted to accomplish? How does it look? Well, what Paul does is take the Corinthians back further and he takes them to the foundation because even if it looks good, If it's not done and built on the foundation of love, he tells them it it doesn't matter. Uh, Look again at the, the first verses we read, how love validates the actions that we do. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. No matter how eloquent we are, and we can speak to, to dozens or hundreds of thousands and have people talk about how spectacular. you you're, oh, you're an orator. Oh, you're wonderful. Or you can, you can talk to a, a group of people and you can say things that they say, well, you encouraged me or you taught me. You're a Sunday school class teacher in one of our classes or you're a school teacher in one of those classes and, and you can do that and you can do it well and your end result is you, you passed on the information or, you, or you, you did the things technically correct and said, you, oh, you're, you're like I was listening to you and it was like I was listening to the voice of an angel. And Paul says, if we don't have it founded on love, listen to this again, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Just a noisemaker. And when I was, uh, when my son, you know, this is baby dedication, Dave, when my brother had his first son, first Christmas came along, and and uh, I went, and I, I mean, what do you get him? I, I got the little guy, a little three-wheeled tricycle kind of thing, plastic thing, probably about that long, all in all, and it had a clicker on the back wheel, and, it, you know, click, 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 and it made noise. So Christmas, you know, I I bought it, put it together, and I was happy and and thought, "Hey, you know, Matthew's going to like this." So I gave it to him and my brother was like, "That's that's neat. Matthew's going to like it." And he my brother reached over immediately and broke the clicker off the back wheel. <laughs> immediately, and I said, "What what what are you doing?" And he said, "You ain't got kids." And I said, "Well, you you had not had one long. Matthew was about nine months old then, and he said, I I love the little thing, tricycle or bicycle. He said, I love it, but I'm not going to listen to it going round and round and round my house because I know what's going to happen. Matthew's going to love it. He was too little really at that point to, to ride it much, but Andy said, he's going to love it, and the more he loves it, the more he's going to ride it, and the more I don't want to hear it. And what Paul says here is if, if we can speak eloquently and wonderfully and we're the best teachers on the face of the earth, but we don't do it in love, we aren't doing anything more than making noise. And that's why my brother broke that clicker off of that wheel is he didn't want noise. Oh, look, I don't want God to ever do that in my life or your life. To have to shut us off because all we're doing is making noise. But he, in verse 2, Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So first of all, we're just making noise. And then in verse 2, he says... "You." You may be able to understand things. Your wisdom may be spectacular. Your faith may be so strong. As Scripture says, if you got the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll happen. And you, you may have that. And you may have that foundation of faith. And, and, uh, when, and we, in our child dedication, we talked about faith and about teaching. We may have all of that. And we may, we may be wise not just beyond our years, but beyond human standards to where we've got godly wisdom where he gives us a, that a human being can't understand it. But Paul says, but if we don't have love, I'm nothing. I am nothing. So to begin with, we're making noise. And the second thing, we're we're nothing. Now, if if we're wise by our world standards, you think about a, a statesman or a, a negotiator who can, can sit down with people and bring sides together. Uh, you think about someone who's got faith out there Are folks in, in my life that I can look back through the, the, the year, decades of my life and think of the faith they had that they could persevere and they could carry on when you know, I would have given up and thought it wasn't going to happen. But Paul says we've got all those things, but it's not grounded on love. Then we're not not—we're nothing. We're just nothing. We're a nobody. Nobody wants to be a nobody. And for you teachers, I, that's a double negative, I suppose, and we shouldn't do that. But there's not a single one of us who wants to be a nobody. One of the worst things that we can do for another person is to ignore them, to treat them like they're nobodies and and. Paul says here, if we have not love, we're a nobody. Oh, God forbid that you and I, to our world outside of this room, or to our brothers and sisters in this room, that we're nothing. That that we've got all the great knowledge and all the wisdom and all the faith, but we don't love them. Then verse 3, talking about what we give and do. Though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And someone who's servant-hearted, someone who's generous, someone who is, is even willing to sacrifice their own life, but doesn't have love, Paul says, it, it's of no profit. It doesn't matter. Now think about that. You, you know, We did the offering a few minutes ago. But think about if you took your checkbook out right now, And you wrote just the the biggest check that you could possibly imagine. And you even emptied your bank account and just put it all in the offering plate. But if it's not done with love, it's, it's of no account. It doesn't profit anything. And yeah, great things will happen with the money. But on a personal level, that's not what God's asking for or service, or sacrifice, that we're willing to, to give everything and and lay down our lives. But if we don't do it in love again, he says, it, it profits me nothing. You're not going to win an award for being sacrificial if you don't do it in love. When I look at those verses, it, it makes my mind race and It makes me think, okay, Paul, the Apostle Paul, what are you saying to, what do you mean by this? You're saying, you know, it, I'm nothing or it mounts to nothing or I'm just making noise if it's without love. What's that look like? How, how do I do that as a follower of Christ? What, what makes it real? And I'm thinking, well, if, if you gave me a gift, even an extravagant gift, you know, my, I don't think I shared this story before, but there was a lady that I, at one point, I just didn't think like me. I didn't think her family liked me. I, it was a, a town I pastored in, and I didn't think the family liked me at all. Well, my father-in-law died, and we got an enormous—I mean, a huge white poinsettia, the biggest white poinsettia I've ever seen—from from this family, and I—I I was just shocked. And I called the lady up, and I called her by name, and I said, thank you so much for the flower. I did, I thought y'all hated me. And she kind of started laughing, and she said, no, no, I don't. And I said, well, I'm, because they, they had been contentious on some things in the church. And I said I, I said, I really did. I thought y'all hated me. Thanks for the flower. And she laughed, and she said, you know, we may disagree on some things, But I And I said, that's the biggest one I've ever seen. And she said, it's the biggest one I've ever seen. But I wanted the reason you got that flower, because it was my father-in-law, it wasn't my father. She said, the reason you got that flower is because I wanted you and your wife to know that we love you. And I said, well, I wouldn't have necessarily known, I thought this, I didn't say it to her, Thought, I wouldn't have necessarily known just because it's the biggest flower. I might have, I'd have thought you were trying to buy me off or something. <laughs> but you told me and you did something that showed and exhibited a tremendous amount of love. And I appreciate it. And in the years that followed, as, as her mother moved to town and joined our church, her sister moved to town and joined our church, and then a truck driver came up one day in his truck, not the not with the trailer, just the cab. And he pulled up in his 18-wheeler truck in the churchyard out there. We had a cemetery. He parked in the cemetery. I didn't know him. I said, what are you doing here? Who are you and why are you here? And you're driving a, a, a truck. And I saw the company name on it, which I knew them. And he said, my boss told me this was the best church in town. Now, those kind of things showed love. But without love... And honestly, to be honest, the reason I called the lady is, I appreciate the flower, but if you don't love us, the flower doesn't mean anything. And so in, in my life, I thought, okay, there you go. There's First there's Corinthians chapter 13, the first verse, few verses that I understand on a human level how I felt about this extravagant gift. And how much more it meant when I knew the the undergirding reason that she gave it, and she said, "I lost my father a few years ago, which before I knew them." And I said, "I I I know the story, and it was he was at the beach, and a step on his cottage was rotted, and he was walking down the steps. The step gave way, and he fell and broke his neck. I mean, there isn't any more hardly more, you know, sudden and unexpected death than that. And so that's what had happened in their life." She said, I, yeah, I know, I know what it's like. I, I know what you, you said. And she said, I understand where y'all are. Well, what God is saying to us through these verses here is that he cares about why we do what we do. If we do it in love. And in the, the next verses, we won't, we won't spend a lot of time on them, but in verse 4 and following, love changes How we act, it changes what we do. Listen to verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And endures all things love never fails, so you think about the things you do in life and 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 what you do. Love changes what you do, and it changes how you do it. I was talking to uh, you know my my boss a while back a, a week or two ago, we were talking about uh, jobs and and other people 's jobs not not mine. <laughs> And, and you know, there are all the different labor laws. You know, if, you, if you're an hourly employee, the labor law is you can work 40 hours a week, and that's all you can work. And if you work more than that, you get paid overtime. And I was was talking about it, and, and he was explaining the law to me, and I, and I said this. I said, you know, I understand the law, but I'm going to be honest. I, as an employer, I've also got expectations. And I expect someone to do the job that they've been given, and sometimes it may take extra. And as an employer, then we're going to have to do what what the law says we need to do. But as an employee, and I've had this happen before to me, when somebody comes up regularly and says, that's not my job description. And with one person that would say that often after the third or fourth time, I said, I don't think we're talking about job descriptions here we're talking about in a church what needs to be done and we need to do this somebody's going to need to do it and and I talked to this lady and said I'm what I'm asking you for here is commitment and I love you and care about you and I don't want you to work your fingers to the bone or yourself to death either unless you want if you want to do that go ahead but if you don't want to do that I understand but we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ and we're doing what we do because we love Him and not because somebody's paying us for it. And the same thing's true in in your job. If you're doing what you do simply for a paycheck, you're doing it out of obligation. If you're doing it because you love people and you love what you're doing, you're going to do it differently. You're going to do it more diligently. You're not doing it just so the boss will say, Hey, that's good enough. You met my expectations. Fine. You're going to do it to the glory of God, and you're going to pour yourself out. And, and that's what Paul's saying here. It, it suffers long. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself or puffed up. Now, think about that. When we parade ourselves and are puffed up, it's because we love ourselves. It's not because we love other people. It's because we love us. But if we love others, the parading and the puffing up is not going to happen. It doesn't behave rudely doesn't seek its own, isn't provoked, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things. Now, these parents who have these precious children in their hands, they're going to bear a lot of things raising those children. Not just until they're 18 years old and by God's grace we celebrate their graduation You know, from high school, 17 or 18 years from now, depending on how old the the baby is. But way beyond that, those of you with grown children, adult children, love doesn't make you stop bearing things and believing things, hoping all things and enduring things just because they turned 18. It goes on and on and on. Love never fails. And in this scripture, I believe Paul's not just talking about our love for other individuals. He's talking about our love for God. Because in our lives, there's the horizontal aspect that we ask this question often in church and need to in life. Who do we love the most? And we we looking horizontally mostly, the, the men or women or children or family or friends. And we, we name individuals. I love this one the most or that one the most or or about all your children, you know how they do it. They, you love him more than you love me. You know, you all as a parent, you always hear that you're playing. You love them more. And I, I told my daughter once when she was was fussing about that, and I said, baby, there are times that one or the other of you is easier to deal with than the other one. So there are days that I'm going to like one of you more than the other one. But that's based on personal preference. And it's going to change based on how I feel that day. And I said, but baby, no, we don't love your brother more than we love you. Because he's accomplished a lot of things. But that, see, our love isn't based on what he accomplished. Or it's not based on, on what she's accomplished. So, horizontally... We're going to tell our children we love all, you, all of you the same, and, and I pray that it is true. They, there will be days that your children will disappoint you. It will happen. And if our love is based on the uh, unbiblical things, it's based on production, then how much we love them is going to go up and down and maybe even out one day if they make a bunch of bad choices. But see, this scripture says love never fails. It endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things. That's love. But there's also the vertical component of love. Our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the the choir sang earlier, and it was a, a modern version, an expanded version, but Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells us over and over and over again. And he showed us when he stretched his arms out on Calvary and he died for us. He loves us. And what he asked for us in return is that we love him. And so when we're talking about who or what do you love most, we, there are individuals that we've got a special attachment to Jesus, out of his disciples, Peter, James, and John were the three he spent more time with. So some people say they were his favorite. I don't know if they were his favorite or if they were the ones he felt like God had ordained for the leadership of the church later and he was discipling them. I I don't know. But he did spend more time with those three, from what we read, at least. But what he said to all of them, and he says to us now, is that He wants us to love Him. In, uh, in John chapter 13, the, the Last Supper, the, the night that He's washed His disciples' feet, and they're around the table, and uh, these verses we go back to often. In verse 34, He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I love you, that you also love one another By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, again, Jesus says we love one another as he loved us. He loved us enough to die for us. He loved us enough that sitting in heaven, in heaven's glory, with eternity at his fingertips, infinite. Infinite before, infinite after, infinite. He loved us enough that he laid all of that aside to come down where we are and offer us a way of hope and a way of salvation. And he laid down his life for us. And he tells us, love one another. As I have loved you, John 13, 34. That's the new commandment. I read that and I just chew on it and think, and I say it often in my prayers. I say, God, I I can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a human being. And there are some people that do things and I don't like it and it makes it hard and I don't know that I'm going to lay down my life for somebody who does everything contrary to to what I think is right? Well, Jesus laid down his life for us because we had made a bunch of bad choices that separated us from God. That's why he did it. He didn't do it in the spur of the moment, you know, jumping in front of a bullet or a car or a a punch that somebody was throwing our way. He, in a pre-planned manner, because he saw the situation we were in, he was the only one who could save us, and he came and did it. And his whole life, he's the only person who ever was born to die. You know that shirt that people are wear, born to die, Jesus was born to die. You and I were born to inherit eternal life because of what Jesus Christ did. That's love. Folks, He changed our future. And not only the infinite future, He changed today and tomorrow and every minute that's ahead in this life because of how much He loved us. And He tells us the commandment He's got for us is to love others like He loved us and that everybody will know we're His disciples by the way we love one another. So He gives us a commandment but he also makes us accountable. People are going to judge us based on how we love one another. And if we don't love one another, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13. They're going to think, hey, y'all just making noise. Y'all are just like clanging cymbals. Not symbols that are being played in a band. Just clanging, noisy symbols." And I don't want to be like that, and I know you don't want to be like that. So the question we come back to is, okay, how can the rest of my life be different? And even if you're a servant of God, and you've been a servant of God for years, and you've served faithfully, and, and you're not out of God's will, but you want to do it even better, love more. Love more completely. Surrender to Jesus Christ and let him take over. And I think about that lady again that sent the huge flower. You know, she could have held anger at me that we differed over different votes and things at church. Or she could lay it aside because she loved me. And she chose to love me. And by God's grace, I chose to love her and her family. And the the later part of the story... There's a a pastor in North Carolina. I was in North Carolina. He's moved now. But I had not seen him hardly any in 20 years. I ran into him somewhere. And he's this lady's son-in-law. And we were talking and laughing, and I told him kind of part of that story. And he said, you know, my mother-in-law and father-in-law loved you dearly. And the relationship they had with you they learned so much about church and about service, and he's, and he was their pastor at that point in time. And he said and how they interact with me changed because of the communication and the relationship that y'all had, because God taught them how the body of Christ is supposed to behave. They taught me, and, and I taught. We learned it you know, together. And he was talking about it, and I said, man, 20 years later, and you, they're not throwing stones, and y'all aren't mad, and I'm not mad. And he said, well. You know, we're part of the body of Christ. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? And praise the Lord for it. So, and and that story I'm telling you, there is, it's not a story without pain now. On their part and my part. But love is what changed everything. And that's what Jesus tells us. They'll know where he is by the way we love. So this morning, today... On June 3rd, 2018, are you willing this morning to make a commitment that you are going to love as Christ loved and that anybody who encounters you this week is going to know you're a follower of Christ because of the way you love people? Bow with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for what you teach us, and thank you for what we see, and God, for what we learn, and and Lord, we look at this scripture, it's so simple, and we can say we love, and it can be real simple and, and meaningless sometimes, because it really just means we agree or we like something. But God, you've taught us that love's a whole lot deeper than that. Love means we surrender ourselves. Love means we'll, we'll give up anything and endure anything. And God, we've had the joy of having these nine children today whose parents have dedicated them to you and, and dedicated themselves. And God, I pray that you will multiply their love. And as their children grow and in the difficult times, those children will learn they've got a mother and father who love them with all of their heart. And God, that our community and our state and our world will know about us individually, that we love them because of how we treated them and that they'll know we're yours. But God, it does get real personal here because it's hard for us to love some people and it's hard for us to be lovable sometimes. And God, we just ask you to change our hearts into the heart you want us to have. Make our core right, our foundation right. And God, we surrender everything to you now as we offer this prayer in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Our hymn of invitation and commitment this morning is hymn 176, is Lord Jesus 176. And we're going to stand together and sing. And it's a time of commitment. The altar's open. You can come and kneel right here or, or sit down on the front pews. I'll be at the front to receive you. But this morning, if you've recognized that you haven't put your first love in Jesus Christ, you haven't committed to Him, this is the day to do that. Because it means you're living for yourself. And He asks us to surrender. But if you're here this morning and you're already a follower of Christ, but God's put on your heart that there's a person or a people or a business wherever you work, or a school that God wants you to be His lighthouse in, and you're going to do it through love and and make that commitment, this is your day to say yes to the Lord. Uh, Let's stand together as we sing 176.